Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of the Bold Believer Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Snyder, and in here we're in the Bold Believer Podcast studio, which, like I've said before, is always moving. I think we're at a new location every single week for the last four or five weeks. In here with me is my good friend... Isaac Danford. And we are here going to be discussing one of the uh, biggest topics throughout Scripture, one of the biggest and most abused and misused topics, and that is the topic of commandments, and more specifically, the Ten Commandments. And so if you've got a Bible handy, you can open it up to uh, find these commandments and the context of which they're giving and all this other stuff in the book of Exodus. And what chapter is that in? It'll be in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus. Verses 1 through 26, pretty yep. much the whole chapter. Yep, 1 through 26. God gives the commandments, gives the reasoning behind it, and gives some detail around those commandments as well. We're going to not read the entire chapter, but I'm gonna, we're going to basically jump right in here in just a minute. i got a, a little illustration I'd like to share, though, before Isaac starts to read and kicks us off here in Exodus chapter 20. 20. Exodus chapter 20. I heard this illustration about this young boy sitting around this old radio years and years ago when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were announcing that they had found that they were assembled upon in old jars that were preserved over hundreds and thousands of years. And uh, they were talking about the, the discovery of these Dead Sea Scrolls, which had parts of the, the uh, Old Testament on, written on these scrolls that were preserved so well because the Hebrews were amazing at writing things out and preserving them. These scrolls were also likely hidden under pressure when people were being killed for what was written on them, and that is why they were so deeply hidden where they were at. And so anyway, they discover these scrolls and they're talking about the discovery of them and the kid looks up to his dad and he puts his hand on his dad's knee and he says, oh dad, I sure hope they didn't find any more commandments. And so often our our reaction to hearing the word commandment or thou shalt not or something like that is not a good one. Stereotypically, society has systemically given the idea of commandments as hindrances and things that trying to things that are just trying to keep us down or keep us back. Though none of us would like to go be in a society where there was no commandments or laws given. God gave specific laws to his people and to the world essentially that he would ask his people and the people who followed after righteousness to follow. And these commandments were detailed in this book of which we're going to dive into, Exodus chapter 20. And Isaac's going to read a couple of verses to intro us in, and then we will go through and just detail off the Ten Commandments, talk a little bit about them, and wrap it all up into something special here at the very end. I think you want to hear this. Stick around for it. Isaac, go ahead. Well, pretty much the person who is given the Ten Commandments Moses. God spake to Moses. And these first few verses is leading into, well, the first verses are leading into, to correct it literary for my sister out there listening to me. Um, it says this, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Mm. And now we're going to go through the list of the Ten Commandments. We're going to stop after each one and give a small meaning as to what that means and what... And what makes them relevant today. 
Um, each commandment was given for a reason, and it, there was some specific detail that none of the other ones around it included, and that is why God gave them, um, and one of the many reasons, rather. So anyway, um, God gave these specific commandments, and as Isaac just read, God gave them right after he made the statement, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of bondage. And he goes on to give the commandments, meaning that these commandments were given to make them not only different people, but to sanctify them and to set them apart from the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world, or at least Egypt specifically, which they were brought out from, was bondage. And today our spiritual Egypt was sin, or the old man, or the old woman, the person we used to be without Christ. But when the Holy Spirit moved in, it brought our spirit. Our spirit was brought out of bondage and sanctified in Christ. And now we are to crucify our flesh, as Paul says, and, and to honor God with our lives. And if we're going to effectively do that, we might as well know a little bit about what God expects of us and commands of us in this, uh, in this context here to, to do and to, to walk like and to, to live like. Because not only does it honor God, we have a more fruitful and beneficial life and, 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 and because of these commandments. They aren't set up, as you'll go, go on to see, they are not set up to hinder our fun. They are set up to give us a fulfilling life in order, and, in, and the best order that we can find is in Christ. So anyway, commandment number one, commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God starts off first and foremost, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Very clean cut, very simple, and very straight to the point, nobody else before God. You might say, hey, wait a minute, Josh, wait a minute, Isaac, I, I, I don't have another God. I don't, I don't worship anything else. I don't, I don't have any, any other God. Well, no, maybe not today in, in America. We don't bow down and worship statues. It, the next commandment actually goes on and talks a bit about idolatry or setting up idols. But um, you, you might say, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have another God. I, I only worship God. Okay, do you worship him in not only word? Do you worship him in deed? Do you follow him and show in your life that he is your God and he is number one in your life? Or could somebody look at your life and not even tell that what you profess is true. Think about that. And we're going to go on to the next commandment. Again, these will be pretty straight to the point in most cases. So Isaac, go ahead and read. The next commandment says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. That could be numerous things. It could be work. It could be, for me, it used to be bowling and skateboarding. Mm -hmm. um, for other people, it could be TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you could be listening to the radio or on the computer or one of the worst things on the computer that you can look at mm -hmm. could be pornography to yeah. some people. Yeah. Uh, it could be going out to bars. You know, it, it, it's just those things are considered graven images. Also, if you think that God won't send you to hell, that is creating yourself a graven image, which is creating a God that wouldn't judge you. Hmm changing who God is because God yes. is not only love, he sent his son to pay the price for your sin. We must accept that. And if you don't accept that, we are still under condemnation because we have broken every single one or most of these commandments that the Bible uh, speaks on, that God gives us to show us that we truly have fallen short of God's glory. The next commandment talks uh, a bit about the holiness of God in regards to his name. It says, 
Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. God's, God's name is so holy. God's name is so reverential. God is the creator of the universe and probably so much more that we haven't seen and I have not seen or ear heard of the things that God has prepared for us who love him, as scripture says. But we as a society, we as a world, so flippantly throw around the name of God as if it means nothing. When we wouldn't call our own mother's name out like that because we have enough respect for her or the person that means the most to you not to use her name or or your wife's name as a swear word or as a curse word or a cuss word. There's a song that, that we sung growing up as a kid that uh, goes off the one of the passages in, I believe, Psalms, and it says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. And then the chorus goes, O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. That is, I heard this story. That's crying out. You know, I, have, I heard this story of a little kid who was singing that song in my dad's youth group growing up, and he would change, O my God, to O my gosh, because he felt like he was using God's name in vain. And uh, dad, had, <laughs> dad, had to, dad had to correct him because, essentially, if you're singing that song to God, you are literally using God's name to mean what it is and praising his name. Yes, it is not a bad thing to use the name of God, but when we use it to throw it out as if it means nothing, and that should mean something, this, this should convict some of us. If you just use the term God, even if you're not using it as a swear word, but you use it to say, well, on God, I'm going to do this, or uh, bless God, I'm going to be this kind of man. You know, If you're not truly blessing God, or if you're not truly wanting to speak about God in a reverential way, don't use his name, period. I don't care if you're not using it behind the word uh, God, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, Y'all probably have even done this. If, if if you're from my neck of the woods anyway, the phrase, keep my name out your mouth, hmm. that speaks to this one. And it just popped in my head right now. Like, it just popped in bing. as a thought. It's like, bing, light bulb went off. <laughs> if you wouldn't want somebody to take your name out of context, don't take God's name out of context yeah. either. How much more so should we honor God's name. This next commandment uh, gets taken out of context a lot as well um, through many different types and styles of religion out there. Uh, It's number four. Um, It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to church on a Saturday. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to church on a Sunday. This means one day out of the week you are to take rest from the world and you are to give glory to God for what he's given you yep. and give glory to God. Keep that day holy. Yep. Don't work on that day. Love God. Yeah, because if, if you don't rest at all, like if you don't take a day off or a day of rest, most of us have had weeks where we've done that in the past where we work every single day. And even if we go to church on Sunday, we're still at work Sunday afternoon. If we don't take that day of rest, we are going to wear ourselves out. God knows that, and so he instituted a day in which you just chill out, like relax. Don't, don't necessarily slack on responsibilities that need done. The Bible goes on to say if, you, if your mule fell in a ditch you know, on a Sabbath day, you, you should take it out. You know, Jesus said that you know, if there's things that need to be done, go and take care of them, but don't neglect rest from your work, as God did. Even God, the creator of the universe, rested on the seventh day. And so many people will rest either on a Saturday or on a Sunday, and they'll choose to also meet together with the brother, the brothers and sisters in Christ on that Sunday as well. Something funny that I thought about is, you know, 
the man was created on the sixth day, mm-hmm. okay? And then that next day, he rested. And then the day after that, he was working. So Adam, who j- literally just got created by God, rest for work. Mm-hmm. He was resting so he could go to work. Think about this also. If you are going to a hospital, you're getting fixed. You're getting rest. You're taking that time to go and see what's wrong with you. Yeah. Church is the same way. Should be. If, it, it should be. You know, it's the Bible even says, "Forsake not the fellowship of brethren." Yeah. If you go to a church, though, that church is like a hospital for your soul, for your spirit. You go there, and you find like you you listen to the sermon. That sermon points out something on you that you might need to work on. You go up and you cry to your Father. You keep that day holy, and He'll make you holy in return. That sanctification process. Just before we go to the next one, Sabbath and Sunday, of which we call the Lord's Day, are two different things. Sabbath is a term that has meant uh, Saturday to the Jewish nation. Sabbath has also meant holy days to the Jewish nation. So essentially the holidays, they'd call them Sabbaths to them. So those are days that they rested, they had recreation, they got together with families. Sabbath does not just reference to what we would think to it as a day that we get together at a church. Um, you know, the Seventh-day Adventists, they call Sabbath, uh, the, their their Sunday is a, is a Saturday. We meet today on the what we call the Lord's Day, or the day of which Jesus ascended from the grave, conquered sin and death, and we saw the apostles doing so in the New Testament as well, meeting in the upper room on the Lord's Day. They broke bread, they took offerings, they, they shared expenses, they, they helped each other out, and so we use that as a pattern for today's modern-day church gatherings for Sundays in most cases. But the Sabbath itself should be observed sometime during the week, because think about it, the pastor doesn't get a Sabbath on Sunday, he's working. He's doing, he's speaking, he's, he's, up, he's helping the families that are there at the church, he's, he's back and forth, then he's back there Sunday night if they do Sunday night services and stuff like that. So that pastor and his family need to take a Sabbath another day. And so the Sabbath is essentially and simply a day that you need to rest and reinstate the energy that God would have us build up in that rest every week. So. And that correlates into this next commandment, which, yeah. Josh, if you would say, that would be awesome. So the, what you'll notice about the commandments is the first four honor God. The first four give reverence to God. The first four in states yes. are, are about God. The last six, the number of man, are four men. The last six are for us as men or mankind, men and women, to practically use in our lives. So number five says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Another verse in the New Testament reinstates, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is the first commandment with promise. promise. Yes. And so these commandments are for our benefit and this one's particularly starts us at a very young age it starts with the kids it starts with the fifth commandment the first commandment to human beings for human beings says children honor your parents and it probably and it's going to extend beyond childhood of course you know when you're an adult you need to honor your parents because they raised you they birthed you they brought you into this world they 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 brought you up honor your parents show them the reverence that they deserve because uh, well, just because of who they are in your life. And then beyond that, if I believe you, Isaac wants to talk a yeah, little bit about... Yeah, if you correlate that this way, honor your parents. We are all children of God. As, yep, so as God yep. is our Father. Yep. So if you think about this, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days might be long on the earth. Spiritually speaking, though. Spiritually speaking, if you honor God and you do... 
and you are in his will, you, you want his will to be done, he'll make your days long on the earth. Yeah. You'll find blessing. That again, some you could always find an example where where God's will was for you know the days to be cut short for whatever reason. I don't know God, the mind of God, but generally speaking, if you follow these commandments, you will find blessing. You will find guidance from God. You will find a fruitful life. We're going to come back around to and stating that essentially these commandments will not save you. But I want to say that here in the middle, in case you have to pop out, these commandments won't save you. The only thing that can save you is the one who kept every single one of these commandments to the letter perfectly because we could not, died for our sins, rose again the third day, and paid the price that we could not pay for our debt, Jesus Christ. By accepting what he did on the cross for our sins and as payment for that, we are saved and sanctified in Christ. These commandments, however, though, go on to give us a way in which we can live to honor God with our lives and to start off with that. And here at the end, we're going to say a few things that will wrap this all up real nicely. So let's jump to the next commandment here. This next commandment, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's also very, very complex as well. It's very simple, very complex. Simple, but <laughs> complex at the same time. Sure. What does thou shalt not kill mean? Mm, that's definitely controversial. That yeah. means you shouldn't physically go out and like you know slit somebody's throat or shoot somebody in the head. You mm-hmm. shouldn't do that. That's mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. But it also gives a complex meaning of you can't hate them either. If you've hated your brother, you've already killed him in your heart. Mm. Yeah, Christ raised the to bar. To paraphrase that in the Bible yeah. a little bit. Christ was told by this guy who's trying to justify himself. He said, "I've never I've never committed adultery. I've never uh I've never killed anybody." And he goes on to say, "Well, if you hate your brother, if you have hate in your brother uh, in your heart, um you're, you're a murderer. Why? You're already Be- a murderer. Why? Because hate in its purest form is the desire to take them out or to take that person down. Uh, lust in its purest form or lack thereof is the desire to be with somebody. We'll talk a little bit more about That's that. That's actually, go is ahead. The next one? Okay. Yeah, go well, ahead. Well, before I, I get that, I want to quickly kick this dog while we're passing it. Some people confuse murder with uh, uh, killing with murder. Some people ask and wonder, am I allowed to go to war, for example, because war you're going to kill somebody in war. You're going to be under a banner that, that is fighting for a cause and people are going to die. Are Christians allowed to be in war? And some people have stepped out of war. We hear the story of uh, Desmond Doss during World War II. He was a medic. He didn't even want to touch a gun because of his conviction of this uh, commandment particularly that said, thou shalt not kill. And, uh, and he did some great things and God used that. But I know very great men of God who have gone out and fought to defend the country and had to take a life in the name of that. And we see actually in scripture even, the same people who got these commandments were commanded to go kill the nations in which that God was not there, the nations that did not follow after God and the nations that uh, would not give up the land that, that they were told to possess. You've got David with the Amalekites that came and stole while he was already out fighting a war. Yep. And he came back and all their stuff was stolen. And their wives and, and their, their wives children. and their children. Yep. And he had to pray to God because he was... He was distraught too. He prayed to God and he asked God, Shall I not go and destroy thy enemies which have taken from me? And God said to him, Yes, go forth and do that. So either God is contradicting himself or thou shalt not kill refers to the blatant taking of a life without cause. The blatant taking of a life without cause. A cause. Yes, and I believe cause that can be justified by um, sometimes, like if somebody's coming against you to take your life or the life of your family, you can come against them. And if you overtake them and, and kill them, legally they call that what? Self 
defense or defense of your family, your property, or your possessions. And and that is the, that is the same with our country, I believe. That is the same with uh, the people we love around us. If somebody yes. is coming against them um, without a just cause to come against them and trying to inflict either physical detrimental harm to them or kill them, you can come back with the same force. We want to be very clear and concise on that yeah. with the podcast. We do not provoke uh, we do not want to promote violence yep. in any way, shape, or form. Yep. If you can show compassion towards somebody and just try to minister to them and try to minister to them after that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, rabbit trail no, no, on that good. one. Sometimes, I just want to make sure we didn't promote violence yeah, on that good. one. Yeah, be very clear. Yeah, we are not saying go go find a reason to kill somebody because that wouldn't be right either. Yeah. But there will come times in, in life, whether it be a war, whether it be in defense of yourself, your family, your property, where there, you may have a decision to you hold somebody's life in your hands, essentially, and, uh, and, and, and you're going to have to make the decision to take it. If it is a just decision, I believe you'll be justified in that. But um, we, could, we could discuss and hash that out all day long. Yep. Um, let's, let's go to the next uh, commandment here. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus, as he upped the standard for thou shalt not kill, he went and also upped the standard for this. Many people, for example, look at Jesus and say, well, no, he didn't talk about the commandments. He was all like love and peace and grace and yeah, that's all cool, bro. You just keep doing you, dude. You keep doing you and everything's going to be fine. No, Jesus was not that. He was the perfect embodiment of God himself in flesh, and he kept the laws to the letter, uh, the laws that weren't added to later by, by the people who were trying to control through the law, but he kept the law perfectly, and he went and even upped the standard at times saying, hey, this is a heart issue. This isn't even just you going out and committing adultery. This is what happens inside. He says, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, he that looks at a woman to lust after her commits adultery in his heart. This goes on to cuts, cuts many guys very deep, and even ladies. Men sometimes justify pornography, for example, or just... Uh, mental images and using those to arouse themselves, not to get too graphic, but but getting into places where they feel that they are not physically cheating or physically committing adultery, they justify it because it's in the mind. And God says in, here, here in the Ten Commandments, and Jesus expounded upon that, and up that standard and said, no, dude, you're, you're committing adultery. You can paint it, paint that polar bear red and yellow and call it a chicken, but it's still a, it's still a bear. You can paint pornography and you can, you can call it safe and it's nothing because it's not actually happening and all that. No, it's still adultery. It is still adultery. And God another, says, don't do that. Don't another, do that. Another <laughs> add-on to that adultery thing, going and basing it with the pornography stuff. If you watch pornography to do that and you have a wife or you have that it can dull the senses it really can oh, yeah. it can eliminate and give you a false expectation yeah. of what that is yeah and it's lying to you and that's and that's something we may have to do a podcast on later on where we can get a little more detail and have it on yes. the podcast uh, show notes saying you know this may not be suitable for our audiences, but let me say along this, it doesn't matter if you're married or not married, you're going to dull your senses looking at things like that that you were not created to look at because sanctification of sex and marriage was supposed to be exclusively for that. And there's a reason for it. We don't have time to get into yep. that here today because because of the remainder of the things we're going to discuss. But hey, if you want to hear a little bit more about um, our thoughts in regards to that, uh, I'd love to do an episode later in the future about uh, the struggle in today's society with misuse of the, uh, of the of the sexual uh, anything sexual in nature it's misused because Satan Satan has infiltrated everything that is good and made it evil 
And so anyway, this next commandment is the eighth one. It's pretty self-explanatory. Thou shalt not steal. Mm. Thou shalt not steal. steal. Now, it doesn't matter the value of it. Thou Mm. shalt not steal. If you see a piece of paper on the table that has writing on it, and you're wanting to use a piece of paper, guess what? Don't take that piece of paper that has writing on it unless you ask whoever place that you're in because it's not yours. That would be stealing. If you ask your mom if you can have a cookie before dinner and she says no and you reach your hand into that cookie jar anyway, guess what? You're stealing. Mm-hmm. What, what do they call people who steal? Thieves. Yep. Each of us, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, have probably have stolen in the past. You don't have to rob a bank to be a thief. If you steal, you are a thief. And as a matter of fact, most of these commandments we've probably broken to one degree or another in our lives. Let's finish it off before we get too further down that trail because that's part of the wrap-up thoughts here we're going to get into. So don't steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That talks about, yeah, don't don't lie about your, the people around you. The Bible says that somebody came up to Jesus and said, well, who is my neighbor? Trying to justify who they could lie about, essentially, or who they could who they could uh, come against because the Bible in Old Testament uses the term neighbor. So some people are trying to find ways around how they can sin or how they can do certain things. And Jesus said, when he was asked, who is my neighbor? He picked up the closest person to him and, 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 and basically said, anybody around you is your neighbor. Like any, not just physically where your house is located, like we think our neighborhood, but anybody who you come in contact with in your life, in your day-to-day life, that is your neighbor. Do not, do not bear false witness or lie about your neighbors. A question y'all might have also, you know, going back and reinstating this, but to make it to where people who are like my age and a little bit younger than him may may remember somebody who passed away recently and who they made a movie about, won't you be my neighbor? Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, he is a amazing person who gave some good and solid advice. Everyone that he came in contact with, he was stating was his neighbor. The yeah. postman, the mailman, yeah. the fireman, the garbage man, the people in factory workers, yep. they were his neighbor, yep. and he pointed that out. That's good. Yeah, good good, uh, good tie in there. I like Mr. Rogers. Um, a number, uh, number 10, the final commandment. Not just final commandment. You'll find that out later on. Yeah. And what we're about ready to say. Drum roll. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. That is talking about jealousy. Mm. It is very hard as a person to not have jealousy. To look at somebody and look at the things that they have and want them as your own. Mm. It's very hard it's very, very much easy to do. Like, you can tell somebody, hey, they have a nice car. But there's a difference between selling, telling somebody that they have a nice car and be like, man, I want that car. So, I wish I had that car. What's crazy is when covetousness is left unbridled, it is the gateway to many of these other commandments and breaking them, whether it be stealing, whether if you're coveting somebody's wife, whether it be adultery, if you're coveting something of your neighbor so much so that you'd kill for it um if you're coveting something of your neighbor that you would uh or your or even your your parents you know as their neighbors in your house they they're around you 
you come against and dishonor your parents. Again, covetousness will lead into breaking many of these other commandments because it is a subtle start of a sin that sprouts into something bigger. Again, covetousness can come into the mind of every single person. And, and you can't always keep jealousy from overtaking you all of a sudden. But when we find ourselves starting to covet and think that the grass is greener on the other side or where somebody else has got something better than I have or I want this and right now like I want it so bad, bro, sit back and realize everybody's got those thoughts. Even the people who have those things that you think that you want so much. They they covet somebody else. They they want something else. They want I have more. problems with jealousy all yeah. the time. When yeah. I first started out with the music group with you, and I first started out with the podcast with you, I was jealous of the wisdom that you had and the knowledge that you had of the scriptures, how you're able to put together those things. Mm. But then when I put those petty things aside and I focused more on my walk with Christ, those things came, and I realized I had no need to be jealous of it. God had a plan for me. Yep. God has got very very much so many good things for each of us who love Him in its time. And whether or not we see the fruit of all of our labor on this side, if we're doing things for the glory of God, we're going to see reward in heaven. All things work to those who believe for the glory of God. Yep, and those are called according to His purpose. Amen. Yes. Uh, let's, let's read a few now, more verses here as we wrap some thoughts up that, that are really um, crucial to understanding the purpose and the, why the commandments and why the Ten Commandments are even relevant and what makes them relevant. If you all are following in your Bibles, you can go and mark your Bibles off and follow along with this. Uh, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. And then we're going to wrap it up as to what the sum of this is. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39 says, because you all might have this question, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So this is pretty much saying that there, the, the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments can be wrapped up into two of them. Love God as who He is, what he's done for you, what he will continue to do for you, and then love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm. The way you love yourself, the way that you love God, you need to love your neighbor. Yeah. And generally speaking, we can always find the exception. You could find somebody who hates themselves. <laughs> but generally speaking, everybody doesn't want to be stolen from. There, nope. I don't know anybody who likes getting cheated on. I don't know anybody who likes getting coveted, people being jealous of them. I don't know anybody personally who, who like being dishonored, and, and, and so we should honor our parents or to, to lie about them. Nobody likes that. God knows that, and he's planted that compass of, of just general moral sense in our hearts. I believe each of us have it. But so often our sin nature overtakes that, and we desire more, more so much so that we wouldn't want people to do those things to us, but we'll go out and do them to other people. Mm -hmm. The conflict of the sin nature versus the moral compass that we each have, and, and it is very directly spoke on in the Ten Commandments. But, but all the laws are boiled down to two different commandments. Love God, honor God for who He is, as Isaac said, and, and love people as yourself. Love people. The next verse 
verses that we're going to read real fast is in 1 Corinthians 13 through 8. And then we'll tie in together, and I'll tie in what this means, and then Josh can throw in his discernment on this and what he thinks it is. And then there's something that I'm going to ask you, and he's going to ask you at the end to wrap this all up. 1 Corinthians 13 through 8 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Mm. Charity, which is a form of love. It's love in action. Love with intent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is... Now, I'm going to continue on. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Mm. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Do not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, Thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it, uh, it shall vanish away. If you listen to those things, how it says, Charity suffereth long, is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth itself not, there are ten of those different things. Mm. If you look at the Ten Commandments and then look at this scripture, those Ten Commandments are all different aspects of charity, all different aspects of love, love in action, love in intent. You need to love people. Love God. And then there's a a phrase that says, A new commandment have I given unto you. Love thy neighbor as thyself, as I have loved you. You are to go around, love everybody. You don't have to support what they believe, but guess what? If you love them and can show them unconditionally, which is what God's love is, which is what Jesus' love was while he was on earth. They are the same. What the Holy Spirit goes into, the same way God loves us. Yep. Josh, do you have anything to add on that sure. one? Sure. I like that. I, ask my I like that. Love in action. That's good. Charity is love in action. You know, we've heard that verse many times. The, the newer versions say, love is patient, love is kind. And, and, and specifically, I think we all know what we mean. But I like the King James way of putting it, where it goes on to say charity. It uses the word charity instead of love, where everyone else uses the term love. Because charity is love with intent and love in action. It may not sound as poetic in a song. Some of my favorite songs use the term, you know, love is patient, love is kind. But charity is literally what Christ meant. Love in action. Be charitable. Be loving Show that love in your life and everything that you do to everyone around you. That doesn't mean you don't call out evil. But don't, don't call out evil just to make yourself look good. Don't call out evil just to stab somebody in the back with that. But when we call out evil, desire to be in a place where you aren't being uh, hypocritical. Yeah, there's other verses that would go into that. You know, Some people you misuse the, word, or the, term, the verse, judge not lest you be judged. It, the passage goes on to say, that whatever judgment you put on somebody else, you look at somebody and say, well, hey, that's wrong. And if you're doing it yourself, 
man, there's going to be there's going to be some serious consequences for children of God who want to judge people who are doing the exact same thing they're looking at the other, the world around them and judging them for. So we need to, as Christians, have our lives aligned with God and His will, and that is what these commandments will do. And and the, the boiled down of it, if you don't want to think about all ten commandments all the time, think about this. Uh, how am I going to honor God today with my life and honor and love the people around me like God loves them? Show that. and You won't fall short. You won't steal from them. You won't, you won't uh, lie to them. You won't covet their stuff. You won't you know, fill in the blank. It's going to all fall into place if you work out loving God and loving people the way God would have us. Imagine you have an engine being held up by a chain, and you have 10 links to that chain to the top, okay? If one of those chains break, it'll fall down. We all have fallen short of the glory of God based on these Ten Commandments. We all fall short and need His salvation. We have to accept it. Has there ever been a time where you have broken any of those Ten Commandments? Because I know I break them and I still continue to break them. But I'm so grateful that God covers me with his blood that he sent. He calls us as we are. He asks the worst of us for the best of him. Mm. For God so loved the world. He loved the world. He loved everyone. Everyone in the world. His whole creation. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. If there hasn't been a time in your life where you believed that to be true and shared it with somebody, I beg you and implore you with this verse in Romans 10, verse 9 through 11. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The reason you cry out to the Lord, the reason that you ask God to come into your life, is because whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. Mm. If you have to hide Him, have you truly accepted Him? Mm. Yeah. If God, be bold about it. Amen. Yeah, if God truly moved in, and you accepted what he did on the cross, man, it'll change you. It'll make it'll give you a desire for and to hunger and the thirst after righteousness. A hunger for his even holiness. Even if you're immature in the beginning, and even if there's sins that want to so doth easily beset you, as Paul would put it, God will inevitably break his way out of your life, and you will I mean you you can't help but share because he has done and continues to and can will continue to do amazing things in our lives. And these Ten Commandments are are, are just a reflection on truly how much we have fallen short. They're a mirror that shows us we have broken God's law, let alone the 640, I believe, 630, 640 commandments that are issued to the Old Testament Jew, for example. Uh, We we go on and we find out that when we look into the mirror of the law of God, we're going to fall short, and that is why we need Jesus. But don't let that give, give us, any of us, an excuse as children of God to live however we want to live because God desires holiness still so that we might be an effective light and we might be an effective witness and we might love our neighbor as ourselves, and we might show God in us before our time is up on this side. If you have listened to this 
and it has changed your view on some things, and you've chosen right then and there to accept God into your life, and you don't know what to do or what to say, I implore you to just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I'm going to ask you all to pray this with me. And understand real quick, it is not the prayer that saves you, but it is the action that happens in the heart. The accepting of Him in your life is what truly starts the sanctification process. This prayer is asking Him in your life. Pray with me. Lord, I'm a sinner, but I now know that you have offered something to me that I am not worthy of, but you've given it to me nonetheless, Lord. I'm asking you to come into my life, God. Save me. I believe that your son Jesus died for me and covered me with his blood to wash away my sins. Lord, use me as a vessel so that way I might proclaim your gospel to other people through my life and through my testimony. Thank you, God, for your son Jesus. This I pray in your name, your great and holy name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we'd like to know. And again, it's not the prayer, it's the action in the heart that takes place. But that prayer is a good, a good proclamation to God of what you desire of Him. And He'll save you. He'll change you. He will move in and show you uh, what He desires of you in your life, and it'll be amazing. Even if it's not the easiest, it's always worth it. I appreciate you joining us once again for another episode of the Bold Believer Podcast. I hope today's episode was relevant, that you heard some things that were an encouragement, maybe convicted. I don't know what God did through this. Maybe you got saved. Maybe you found Christ in this. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Drop a comment in the uh, comment section below. Leave a review if you like the podcast and want to help us reach out a little further than we are right now as we are still slowly starting off and growing this thing. Um, And uh, find us on Facebook at Bold Believer or YouTube at Bold Believer. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Josh Snyder signing out. I'm Isaac Danford signing out. Stay blessed, have God vibes, and be a bold believer. Be a bold believer. See you later. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.